0: Our scripture for this evening is Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. It's the word of the Lord. If you've been with us, we've been in a series called The Way of Jesus, practicing The Way of Jesus. In week one, we looked at what the vision is for practicing the way, what, what the vision is for where we are going and why we are doing what we're doing. In week two, if you are with us, we talked about formation. What it means when Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and actually how we do that. How do we practice that? And tonight, we're going to talk about the way of practice and even more specific terms. I'm not going to be long tonight. We're going to spend some time in confession and, and communion, so I promise I'll keep it short. But I want to begin by sharing a, a story. I, and last spring, we decided to sign my son Pierce up for soccer. And Pierce is, if you've ever seen Pierce, he moves and talks constantly. The kid just has infinite energy. And so we thought, let's sign him up for soccer. It'll wear him out. It'll be great. And it was about two days before his first practice, and I get an email from the YMCA director, and they're like, hey, unless one of you parents uh, uh, volunteers to coach the team, um, we're actually not gonna be able to have a team for you. And so I'm like, oh, I might have to coach this team. And I said, let's wait one more day. And little did I know, my wife signed me up anyway. So she emailed me, or she emailed the, the director, said, my husband will do it. And I know nothing about soccer. Like, I never played organized soccer. I, I don't even, still don't even understand what offsides is. Like, there are so many things about soccer that don't really make sense to me. And so I show up to the first practice totally um, unprepared. I, know, I didn't even know what, like, a, a drill for soccer was. So we did two drills. It was chase the coach around with the soccer ball it was drill one. And the second was coach versus the entire team. We just played soccer. Like, I didn't know uh, how to do soccer with five-year-olds. This is just not, this is very foreign to me. And I also realized very quickly that our team was made up of the kids who also didn't, their parents didn't know anything about soccer. So it was kind of a ragtag group of kids. And I'll never forget our first game was against this team that, I don't know if any of you will get this reference, but there was this movie called The Little Giants. It's like a sports football movie about little, Little League football. And the first time the Little Giants play against the Cowboys and every kid is like two feet taller than all of them, that's how it felt game one. Our team was smaller, was slower, and they had this kid on the other team with gold cleats. Okay? His, his name was Archie, and Archie was a machine. Okay? This kid was an absolute unit. The moment we started the game, he went down, the first possession scored a goal and did not relent, and it was the coach's son, of course. And so the coach never took him out, which is not in the spirit of YMCA soccer, come on. And before we know it, we are down 14 to zero. I know, and my son, who is very competitive, was very upset. And I said, "It's okay, but It's about having fun. It's about teamwork, and we'll get better as a team." Next game, we lost, but we didn't lose by fourteen. Um, we lost the next game. We lost the fourth game, and then we played Archie's team again. And this time, something in me switched. There was this part, there was this competitive part of me that I hadn't tapped into yet. But midway through the game, I'm like, you know, I, I think we can actually figure out a way to beat these guys. And we lost that game eight to two, better improvement. But the, I was determined to coach this team to at least have a chance against uh, that team in specific, or just win a game, I mean, got set the bar low. And uh, went online, I, I did a ton of reading, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and I learned new soccer drills. And I picked up a few little hacks for five-year-old soccer. The first is, when you throw it from out of bounds, uh, if it goes out of bounds and you have to throw an overhead throw, aim for the goal every time. Don't try to pass it to a teammate because they're just too young. It's not going to work. So I, we tried doing all these little things, and I uh, tried some new drills. We worked on our spacing, and sure enough, we got our first win the next game. And then we won again, and then we won again, and we won four games in a row, and it was the final game of the season. And I kid you not, it felt like a sports movie because we were up against Archie, Right? <laughs> And the Rainbow Dolphins was their team name. <laughs> just kind of ironic, but you know, we were the uh, Cheetah Sharks. So it was the Cheetah Sharks versus the Rainbow Dolphins. And uh, I t- <laughs> we have this kid on our team. I call him Crazy Andrew because he's crazy. Um, just he's always getting his foot stuck in the net, and he's never paying attention. But I said, Andrew, all I want you to do this game is do not let Archie get the ball. I want you to be in his face. I want you to be breathing on him. I want you to be all over him the whole game. And if you do this, I think we can win. And would you believe it, but we won the game. It was a miracle. Now, it was th- they were playing a doubleheader, so it was their second game, and Archie was exhausted. And, um, but we ended up winning 8-6, to six, and our team was elated. It's probably my greatest accomplishment besides my kids and getting married. Um, but I felt like uh, Coach Bombay and Mighty Ducks D2 beating Iceland. Here's the thing. That team needed a lot of help. I needed help. I was not a good coach to start the season. And it took a lot of practice. Right? This, is, this, is a, this is a part of what it means to develop a skill. Like, uh, Take, for example, Robert. You're amazing on the keyboard or piano. I, I bet you um, you weren't that good the first time you stepped in front of a piano. Am I right? Yeah. If you could ballpark it, how many hours do you think you've spent practicing in your life? If you had to guess. Tens of thousands, we'll go with that, okay? Um, it takes practice to become good at any skill. It takes time, it takes energy. It's not something where you can just show up and hope to get better or will yourself to get better. When we talk about formation, okay, and specifically in spiritual formation, another churchy word for this is sanctification, okay? It's the, it's the, it's the process of becoming more like Jesus, And this does not happen overnight. This is a process that we go on. It's a journey that we go on as followers of Jesus. And what happens is is we have an approach that actually falls in between sort of two extremes. right? There's the one approach where we sort of have a passive, lazy uh, approach to our sanctification or to our spiritual formation where we say, the Holy Spirit's going to work inside me and change me, but really if I just sit back and let it happen, it's going to be great. But that's not what Scripture teaches about formation. The other opposite is that we, we decide we're going to have a bunch of rules and legalism and moralism and if we, if we check up all these boxes and we do all these things and if we um, sort of enter into a religious system that somehow we are going to get better. But that's also not quite what we're doing. I believe the correct way to embark on this journey is the way of practice. Practicing the faith. Jesus talks a lot about practice. We heard it in the scripture text for today. If you take these words of mine and put them into practice, you will build a foundation that cannot be destroyed. And even though I think sometimes when we think about what what is practice, I think we may have this filter that sort of says, oh, we need to do stuff for God. I I don't think that's enough. I think it actually looks a little bit different. Um, Because if that's our mindset, that can become unintentionally very exhausting when inevitably we fail. And I think John Ortberg gives us a really good example of this. Um, he uses the analogy of training versus trying. That's training versus trying. If you've ever run a race or trained for a race, in my 20s I ran a couple marathons. Um, it's, a, it's a long process to train your body to run 26.2 miles. You start by running maybe three miles, and the next day you run four, and you do a long run on the weekend, or you maybe run five, and the next week that mileage goes up. And it takes weeks and weeks and weeks until you finally get to the place where your body can actually handle running a long distance. Now, if I were to go out today and try to run a marathon, I'd probably die. Like, my body is not trained for that. I have not spent the amount of time uh, working so that my muscles... Now, I could go out there and run two miles and feel... uh, I probably wouldn't feel great. I'm not in great shape right now. But I could run two miles. And here's the thing. Even if I failed, my body is still being formed by the effort made to try and train for the ultimate goal. The same is true of our spirituality. When we look at these practices, we don't look at the end, at getting to the end immediately. We look at small practices that over time are going to form us into the person that we are trying to be. So let's look at 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 through 15. This is the apostle Paul puts language to this idea. Okay? He says have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And that is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. He goes on to say command and teach these things don't let anyone look down on you because you are young but set an example for believers in speech in conduct in love in faith and in purity. Until I come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to preaching and teaching do not neglect your gift which was given you by the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters and give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Now there's a lot to unpack there and I'm not gonna have time to unpack the whole passage tonight. But I wanna point out a few things specific to what we're gonna be talking about. First, this passage says that we are commanded to train ourselves to be godly. And the word train, uh, the Greek word, actually sounds very similar to the word gymnasium. And that's because it is related to the, the Ismahin games, which were a form of kind of like the Olympics that we have now, but nobody wore clothes back then. This was how, how they did it. So it's to train. Um, and it's, this, it's a physical, like a sports metaphor that he uses to talk about becoming godly. And Paul is saying, look, you have this gift, but you need to train in order to live out the call. It's not enough to have the gift. You must train in the ways of Jesus so that you can meet that potential. We are called to enroll in this school of formation. Now, this school that we're called to enroll in, this, this sort of idea of formation, is not in any way, shape, or form a way of earning favor with God. Right? The gospel is that God has loved us infinitely through Jesus Dying on the cross, rising again, and putting our faith in him means that we are saved. It is not about earning that favor. That was the gift that was given to us. But once we receive the gift, this is when that work begins. This is when the work of sanctification begins. This is when the work of the Spirit, after we are regenerated, begins working in our life. But it is not a passive thing. We don't simply sit and watch idly by while this happens. But we participate and enter into kingdom living with the spirit here are some ways that we do it there's two kinds of practices one practices of disengagement we have solitude silence fasting frugality chastity secrecy listening this is a short list it's not an exhaustive list but these are lists of ways that we practice okay and these are oftentimes modeled by jesus himself There are practices specifically of disengagement where we're so burned out or worked out that the way we change is actually by withdrawing or ceasing and reflecting. This is what Paul talks about when he talks about in Ephesians, that we strengthen our inner life. It's what Jesus does often by withdrawing from the crowd or leaving the disciples to go be alone and pray. We see examples of Jesus doing this many times throughout the Gospels. The second practices, our practice of engagement. This is worship, celebration, or gratitude, service, prayer, fellowship, confession, submission, and generosity. And these are practices where we actually step up and do things, where we engage with practices as opposed to pulling away and ceasing. And in doing these things, we grow in our capacity to follow Jesus, now I'm not gonna unpack what each one of these are, but what I'm gonna do this week is if you're interested, I'm gonna be posting a link. Um, if you follow our Eastminster Instagram, you can you can get the link there. It'll also be on the website, um, where I will have each a little detail about how to practice each one of these individually. So I'll send that out tomorrow. So if you'd like to access it, that'll be available to you. Um, but these practices, um, our part when we engage with them or when we disengage from the chaos of of life, these are things that help form us into be more like Christ. That said, I don't want you to hear me wrong. These are not practices that are to puff us up or are to in any way earn anything from God. Because in the gospel, we are forgiven not because we practice the way of Jesus, but because we are forgiven, we can practice the way of Jesus. It's like, I think this is a Tim Kellerism, but the basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to our own, but to form our will towards his. Or take fasting, for example. We don't fast to not eat because somehow that's going to make God approve of us more. We fast because it reminds us of who our true sustainer is, who gives us life. It orients our heart and our minds. When we feel hungry, it says, I need God. I cannot do this alone. It turns us towards prayer. It pushes us to a more intimate relationship with our Father. It's like the act of lifting weights, okay? If you're in the gym, you're lifting weights. The lifting of the weight actually has no intrinsic value, right? You're going up and down, you're working your muscles. The reason you're working your muscles is to, in effect, grow them, right? You're breaking them down to grow them stronger. It's not the lifting itself. It's what you are trying to achieve. It's the other side of the exercise. That is where the value is. If we could just sit around and tell our muscles to grow and not have to exercise, I think most of us would do that, right? It seems a lot easier just to yell at your muscles to grow. But we can't do that. We actually have to exert our energy. It takes discipline. It takes effort. And that is on our end. But in doing so, we go after what we truly value. And in the spiritual life, our value is not disciplines, but Jesus himself. What we're after is becoming more like Jesus. Donald Whitney says this, so while we cannot be godly without practice of the disciplines, we can practice the disciplines without being godly if we see them as ends and not means. So the goal is to become like Christ with the help of the Spirit. I want to show you a quick little uh, illustration from the New Yorker magazine. It's a guy standing and says, remember guys, what happens in this CrossFit gym is referenced ad nauseum outside this CrossFit gym, right? CrossFit has a reputation of they love to talk about the fact that they're into CrossFit. In the same way, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, like Paul says, it's not so that we can say, look what I can do. Right? Even Jesus said to put oil on your face if you're fasting so that other people, you don't walk around bragging about your fasting, right? or don't pray in public so that everybody can see you, but instead pray where your heavenly Father can see you. Right? It's this idea that the formation and these practices are for the fact that we, in the end, want to become more like Jesus. It's far less about what we do and far more about who we're becoming. So why does this matter? After Jesus teaches uh, many different things in Matthew, he gets to this verse, and this is our, our text for today, Matthew 7, starting verse 24. It says, again, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. The reason we train in the ways of Jesus is because inevitably there are going to become moments where our character is tested. There are going to be times where People, our, our character is going to be tested. There's going to be times where our life seems to, seemingly is falling apart. And if our character is not built on solid ground by practicing the words of our scriptures, by practicing the words of Jesus, then inevitably our foundation will crumble. It's not enough to hear the words of Jesus and to go on our merry way. Jesus says we must put them into practice or else we are in danger of the person who builds our life on the sand. So, we're going to do that. This is uh, series that we've been in has not been a series that merely uh, you hear teaching from me and then go on, but instead we want to take these practices with us as we go. I want to show you a diagram here, and this is sort of the process of what we're talking about. You guys have this on your seat. It's the intentional spiritual formation, and we'll talk a little bit next week about unintentional spiritual formation, how we are formed unintentionally and how we process that together, but this is for being intentional about developing our formation. In the middle, the driver, the one, the helper who is given to us, who convicts us, who changes us, we have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes in the form of a helper, of someone who comes alongside us, who spurs us on and ultimately is the one who does the work. But it is not a passive work. We don't just sit idly by. We practice. We practice not just individually, but also in community. We're actually going to do a communal practice tonight following my message. And we also receive teaching. So we hear the words, as Jesus said in his passage, right? You hear the words, we put them into practice, and we practice these things in community over time. That line at the bottom is important because it is a process, it is a journey. And it doesn't end until we pass the journey of continually growing in likeness of Christ. So our practice for this week, I have a second diagram here, and this is on the back of your sheet, so if you turn that over, you'll see last week we talked about heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I've actually listed some of these practices beneath each one of these. And in the same way, we're like, I wouldn't ask you to go run a marathon tomorrow. I'm not saying do all of these this week. That would be really intense, right? Um, I'm not asking you to fast for seven days while uh, memorizing the entire book of you know, Matthew or anything like that. Um, instead, we, we take a step. Maybe this is something you've done before. Maybe you're brand new to this. And if you're brand new to this, I would encourage you to take one of these. Maybe each day you practice silence by leaving your phone at home and going for a walk and listening and being in the presence of God. Maybe you take a day next week and say, on Monday, I'm going to fast from uh, being on the internet. I'm not going to use my phone unless it's an emergency. I'll, I'll focus in and listen for what God is teaching me in the midst of that. Or maybe you're going to choose uh, frugality. You're going to choose to live frugally. You're not going to buy the Starbucks coffee this week. right? Or You're going to live in a way um, that, that allows you to think about the ways in which we live in the world. Or maybe through service, you're going to just say, you know what, on a, on a whim and on a leap of faith, I'm going to sign up for the Washington School Buddy Program, and I'm going to help minister to the kids in that school. Um, there are so many ways in which we can engage in these practices. And so I want to encourage you to try them. Give it an effort. It doesn't have to feel like this, this huge burden. It's not a list to check off, because it's not about that. It's about the true value and becoming like Jesus. So that's my encouragement for you this week. Our practice is to practice our faith. And again, I'm going to post um, a little bit more explanation of this on our website. So I'd encourage you to, if you're not following Eastminster Wichita on Facebook or on Instagram, I'd encourage you to do that. And uh, you'll be able to connect with that. We're actually going to transition now into a time of a corporate practice of confession. And I'm going to invite Joseph to come on up. He's going to lead us in this. And there's going to be a moment here where there's actually going to be an individual practice, a time of silence. And then Joseph is going to lead us in something that we do together. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then Joseph is going to lead us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the invitation to practice the ways you've given us to live in the kingdom of God. We know the time is now. The kingdom is here And you've called us, you've invited us to embrace the easy yoke that you've given us. That we might live freely and lightly, not bound by religion, but instead liberated to live out the gospel. And in that, may we practice these things. May you form us, even if it's painful, even if it's difficult. But we take an active step in moving towards Christ-likeness. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Gracias.